covering the 2011 movie Bridesmaids. As always, I'm joined by my dog, homie. How you doing? Yo, what's up, dog? How's it going? Good, man. Yo, I'm. I just. I actually just came off of watching this movie, so I'm hot and ready to go with with our takes. Um, I got, actually, I got Maddie watching it in the other room, so I was waiting for you. I was. Uh, I was watching a couple scenes, getting getting hot and ready. So before we get into like the plot synopsis, I think the inspiration for reviewing this movie or going over this movie was. It's in light of all of the weddings that should be happening right now. We're kind of in the middle of what would be wedding season right now. Um, and really, Doug, you're actually just coming from a wedding. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, my buddy, best buddy Owen and his now wife, Amanda, the Lampiers now got married. And, uh, you know, they had to change things around because of COVID. But, it, you know, it was, it was beautiful and a small affair, but it's still, there's still the bridesmaids, of course, and I was one of the groomsmen. Um, but we wanted to recognize, you know, Laura and our, our sister, Laura and Ross's wedding, and then Sarah and, and uh, Mike's, Mike's wedding, yeah. So, you know, we we're thinking about all those people at this time, but also, that we, you know, we just want to talk about this movie because it's, it's not only hilarious, but it points out some really interesting, like, archetypes and expectations surrounding weddings. Yeah, especially with like the female dynamic of this, like this movie really touched on, I don't know, it really spoke to not just, I don't know, the male public, but it it, it also brought in like the aspects of of what it's like to be a bridesmaid and kind of like the expectations that, that fall into being a bridesmaid. It's a little bit different from the, from the grooms and the groomsmen side. So we kind of wanted to dive into that, even though us two jerks, we're obviously have only experienced... <laughs> I think you actually kind of raise a really good point there. It's it's an accessible movie. It's it's an experience that we'll never have as a bridesmaid, but it, it, it made that experience accessible in, in a comedic way. Yeah. So, you know, but we, we often talk about the different quadrants that blockbusters go for in terms of demographics, and this one kind of hits all of them. Like, you could show this movie to mom, dad, you, me, Phil, you know, Laura, you know, anybody, and it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit. For sure. And I think that that paid off in the in the box office. Some quick notes before we get into to going over the movie. It grossed two hundred and eighty eight million point four million dollars worldwide, and was Jed Apatow's highest grossing movie of all time. That's of all time. Um, so I think it speaks to you know how much people received the movie, uh, not only in the box office and continue to as 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 a rewatchable film. Right, and, and it's and it's not just as I was saying before. Uh, it, it, well, uh, let me preface this by saying it's the highest-grossing female comedy of all time. R-rated, R-rated, yeah. Com- but it's not just a comedy for females by any chance. Or although it's it's written, you know, by Kristen Wiig primarily, and in the the primary cast is starring. It, it's it's not just for females, which is you know why I really wanted to take this movie on because. You know, it's it's it, it it transcends. You know, although it's a it's a female movie, it it transcends it. It's just a great comedy. It transcends it is, the, period. The, you don't even need to use the word female. It's just a great comedy. Exactly. Period. The political nature of female comedy. No, it's just a great comedy. Period. Yeah. So the, so as you were say, starting to mention all the all the main characters, I'd say the three build cast members are Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, and Rose Byrne, uh, who plays uh, Helen. Uh, like 
the dynamic, I mean, we just did a podcast around chemistry, sort of, and the, the chemistry between these three actresses is, is really good. I mean, I, I think just before I, I was reading some notes, just before they, they spent two weeks where the, the main cast all got together and just kind of did like an improv session. And it really pays off in this movie. I think there's a few scenes in particular um, that you can just tell like, okay, like they just had the camera rolling and they were just doing improv. Like you smell like rainbows and sunshines, like with, with Ellie yeah. Camper and the like, whole plane scene, the whole much. plane scene. Yeah. is just improvised. So the where, th- Chris, I, go ahead. Where Kristen Wiig is, is essentially drugged with like Xanax and scotch by uh, Rose Burns character who is, uh, you know, they're both competing essentially for, for the best, you know, uh, woman of honor, uh, maid of honor, yeah, maid of honor, maid of honor. So it's, it, she essentially gets drugged, which nobody seems to have a problem with, by the way. I was just watching that part. No one ever gives like that girl shit for basically drugging Kristen Wiig and then handing her a glass of scotch. But they all come down on Kristen Wiig for that. Well, she kind of did that like separately. Like she didn't see the scotch part. They're they're both sabotaging. All right, so let's back up before we even get into that scene. The 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 it, you've, everyone who's listening's probably seen the movie, but it's basically Kristen Wiig and and Rose Brin fighting over who's gonna be the the maid of honor in Maya Rudolph's wedding. And this is this is the this is the movie in general. And it. Kristen Wiig is kind of like the best friend. Not she's she's not at rock bottom, but she's pretty near. She's not in a good spot in her life, and she's going against Rose Brin to be the maid of honor, who is just kind of like this rich, you know, debutante, whatever you want to call her. Yeah. And both of them, for the, at least the first half of the movie, are are competing for Maya Rudolph's attention. It culminates that it goes into every single little part of what goes into a wedding, the engagement party, the bachelorette party, the, you know, the, the, the party, everything that goes into the wedding leading up to the actual day itself. And that's on the bridesmaids to, and, and the maid of honor to kind of put stuff together. And I think that there's a certain level of pressure that really we kind of get, get to as groomsmen that we really don't really see that goes into the big day. No, absolutely, and I again, I kind of this was a, it inspired a little bit what uh, this podcast again was Owen's wedding. Seeing the bridesmaids, you know, were all you know. I was a groomsman, and I really didn't have many responsibilities. Yeah. Like, I showed up for pictures, and I like you know was there for oh, but yeah, like, make sure Owen bride- has a make sure Owen has a beard in his hand at all time. Like that's yeah. right. Yeah, and, and you know, I didn't need to help him with that too much. Um, so, he, you know, he had that covered. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, all we have to do is make sure we got the right the right parts of our suit, which is hard enough for us idiots but, to do. But, but and, we were all, you know, staying in the same house, and I would keep stumbling in the way of, you know, a bridesmaid who had their duty to do. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so interesting. There's such a different dynamic um, and expectation, I think, that goes into being a bridesmaid or, or a or a maid of honor that there is even, even, you know, whatever, whatever level of wedding it is, there's, there's going to be some expectation. And this, this movie just, you know, lays those out that whether it's the preparing for the bachelorette party and that's where they get onto the plane. Yeah, so that leads us into that part. So every, every step of the way, once, when Kristen Wiig is a, is the uh, maid of honor, she just ruins every single step. And the plane scene is just one of those funniest things you're saying like, 
I can't believe no one said anything about Rose Rose Byrne drugging her. Well, she kind of does that separately. She goes back into into coach and just says, "Oh, you know what's going to help that Xanax set in or whatever she whatever pill she gives her? Why don't you just down this scotch?" Like that's the worst thing you can do if yeah, if you're if yeah. you've just taken. Uh, oh yeah, and then the the woman sitting next to her doesn't have who's the woman sitting next to her is also hilarious. She's in this is forty, uh, but she's like, what does she say? She's like, she's not also having like fears of flying, and she's like, she's like, oh, I, I dreamed the plane went down last night. You were on it. <laughs> <laughs> you were in my dream. You were in my dream. Yeah, like, and never, she's like, never. She's like, you just, you better just down that right away. Oh, there it goes. Like, yeah. She, <laughs> so she's essentially just encouraging. Everyone's encouraging it to happen, but she gets the blame for it. I thought, I thought it was a little harsh. Who gets the blame for it? Kristen Wiig gets the blame. Yeah, eventually yeah. she, and then gets demoted, demoted as bridesmaid. Which I'm not sure if anyone listening has ever been demoted within a wedding before, but that's pretty damn harsh. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's hard like, to take, but I mean, she earned it, man. She all she was doing was sabotaging. Maya Rudolph, she she was making it about herself rather, rather than Maya Rudolph the entire time. And she was making epic, epic, epic mistakes every step of the way. Well, I think actually a, an interesting point is that her, both her and the, um, what's her name, the the other bride, the... Rose, Rose the, Byrne, Helen? Uh, Helen, right. Uh, they are both, so they both represent... Uh, different points of Maya Rudolph's life. So the Kristen Wiig's the earlier part of her life and Maya, or the Rose Byrne, is that, am I saying that the Rose, yeah, Rose Byrne? Yeah. Anyway, she's the later half and they're both focusing so much on their relationships with her and thinking that each one is so important and themselves are so important in it. And it's really supposed to be about Maya Rudolph and they don't really, you know, it's just about them, but that that's where the hilarity comes. To your sees. point, one of those scenes is when they're at the engagement party and it's customary for the one of the, the maid of honor to just say a quick something of you know there's speeches all along the way which should just in a wedding just get rid of it like it's not about the bridesmaids anyways but she's she's you know uh gets up and says you know just kind of like a sweet quick thing and then rose Byrne comes in helen comes in and just just immediately just one one ups her so yeah. the, that scene where they're in front, they're doing like a cheers and it goes on for like five or six minutes, way too long. They just, it eventually leads into like a sing-off between the two of us. Who can outdo one or the other is one of the best scenes of the movie. Everyone's just kind of like looking at each other like, ah. At the end of one of her speech, she even calls in the help to like start serving food. And right. Consuela, <laughs> come on over here and, and, and you know. Consuela, <laughs> that's right. And, and Kristen Wiig goes, speaking of Consuela, or Consuela, we took Spanish together. And then says just some chopped up like Spanish nonsense. Meanwhile, just, meanwhile everyone is just looking on in, in horror. Yeah. Like, did you and notice the, who Maya Rudolph's uh, fiance was, by the way? Yeah, Andy Buckley. No, or no, 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 no. no. A- Andy Buckley is is Helen's, someone's Helen's husband. husband. Helen's husband. Husband, right, right, right. And uh, uh, no, Tim Heidecker. Yeah, exactly. of course. Exactly. Who's one of my favorites from Tim and Eric show? He has one line in the entire thing. <laughs> I do. Yeah, and that, that's he doesn't it. say anything. He's the guy that she's getting married to, and he doesn't have. He, he's a pretty recognizable 
actor, and he has one yeah. line in the entire t- in the entire oh, yeah. movie. I think that it is pretty on par for Tim Heidecker. Actually, he probably loved the fact that he had one line and like to just do like fake smiles, like <laughs> like, and then that leads into the Melissa McCarthy character, who's his sister. Yeah, and she just like the real tragedy is that she has to spend the rest of his life with Dougie. He is just a piece of shit. <laughs> like he, he's just ripping their own brother. Like, but she, I think. All right, so one of the, the the reasons that this movie is just one of the best, in my opinion, best comedies of, of the last maybe 15 years or so is that the, the casting is unreal. It's so, like, Melissa McCarthy, I think it's her funniest movie. They kind of, someone found her in, in, or started writing scripts for her and just they, she fell off because it was the same shtick. Um, they also casted... Um, what was what's her full name from uh, uh, Reno Nine One One? So I'm probably uh, gonna botch this. It's Officer Clem from Reno Nine One One. She plays Rita in this movie. Her name's her actual name is Wendy McClendon Covey. Yes, Covey. Sure. Let's we're just, just gonna be referred to Officer Clem or Rita for the rest of the. Here on out, known as Clemmy or uh, Clem. Uh, she she is an underrated actress. I think she delivers, and, and she's always been a little crass. And I think. The pairing of her with uh, Ellie Kemper, who is uh, plays Aaron in the Office, the redheaded one, who's kind of like the sweet, you know, a little bit innocent, yeah, crude, yes, yeah, exactly, uh, girl next door, and to pair them up is just like genius because it's like it's they they work really well together and in their complete opposites. If you think about it, yeah, so they're they're in that plane scene too, like not even aware of everything, all the other craziness that's going on, but they have right. some binding. Right. They have some bonding time on the plane where they're they're both kind of they, they get drunk and they both kind of uh you know just air out all their grievances with with their home life yeah and i mean clemmy is just so i mean throughout the whole movie she's just so raw talking about her kids who are in pubescent stages and and the the, the sex with her husband and how she just wants to Watch the Daily Show with him entering her. <laughs> just like, oh, oh my god! It's just like, oh, it's so rough. But uh, I, the the casting, though, again, to go back to it, the matchups were unreal. I mean, I think one of my big notes was it wasn't just like some SNL movie where it was, you know, I love Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, but they tend to make movies and hook up their SNL crowd. Yeah, this Whereas, was almost like a, a mixture of like SNL and The Office together. Like, Yeah, but, but then Reno, and as well as like Tim, throw Tim Heidecker in there and Charlie's mom from uh, It's Always Sunny in True, yep, yep. She was in that, she was in that one-up scene and a few others. She's doing like the Charlie's mom like, oh no, like face yeah. the entire time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, yeah. The, the SNL connection I, or the SNL office connection I wanted to make was that Ellie Kemper, obviously Aaron's in there. Andy mm-hmm. Buckley, we we mentioned earlier, he's you know plays what's his name, David Wallace in the office. Um, mm-hmm. You know, actually, Wendy McClendon Covey or Officer Clem was in the office was in one episode of the office. She was the concierge in Canada. That yeah, like, yeah, concierge. Uh, what concierge? Oh God, I shouldn't. I, I've seen The Office that many times. Yeah, so I should, they go to I mean, Canada and, and she sleeps with Michael Scott for like a night or something like that. Good call. Good call. Um, and then the and whole- then I swear to God too, like so they, they it was really quick, but there's an article on the wall um, of how Cake Boss went down or Cake Baby went down, and it was owned by 
Kristen Wiig and her boyfriend. I swear, if you go back, the boyfriend is Gabe from The Office. Like, so the later oh. seasons, like the tall, uh, you know, Gabe from The Office, right? He's kind of like that wiry. He's in, he's in Silicon Valley. He's in. Yes. He was in the latest Ghost. All right, so we'll get. We might get into this. I I tried to watch the latest Ghostbusters with Kristen Wiig in preparation. For okay, this let's as well. not. T- let's get into that later, but. I just what I'm, my point here is that I want to make the the Absolute <laughs> It's it's one I'd like to forget. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they they brought in it wasn't just like an SNL flick. It was they're bringing in all these comedic minds into one into one movie, and it just it really worked. And I, and I think that's the that's not only Kristen Wiig's influence, but the Judd Apatow uh, pull because mm-hmm. you know he's a producer on the film. He's not Paul Feig or Feig is the director, but um, Apatow's a producer. And uh, that woman on the plane that was sitting next to Kristen Wiig is in This Is Forty, and she's really she's got kind of that a uh, little little bit of deadpan humor, a little bit of crass humor going on. But she she's really funny, and like that, whoever's you know cast that movie just had. Crazy awareness. Uh, even uh, Maya Rudolph's dad, who's just like, no, I, I can't pay for this shit. <laughs> like, like the whole time, he's like, everyone laughs at that. He's like, I don't want. He's like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this shit. What, was he? But, was he ever in anything? No, but just the awareness. The, the, he pulled it off, didn't he? You yeah, know, like, oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I totally believed him as Maya Rudolph's father, and yeah, he, he was. There was a. Even though he was being serious, he couldn't pay for us if there was an aspect of comedy with his delivery. The, the only casting misstep, I think, was to uh, Kristen, the cop, who is having like this whole flirtatious thing with Kristen Wig the whole time. His name is, what is it here? Chris something? Chris O'Donnell or something? Yeah, he's, no, the, Chris, he's the Irish no, cop. Chris O'Dowd, not Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Dowd. Anyways, but the I, I thought that was a, a really poor, not poor casting choice. There was just no chemistry between them first off. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I thought they could have pulled better weight. Like, who, like I don't know who could, you know, who else could play that role. So, but I mean, it there wasn't much chemistry. And, you know, just coming off of that chemistry podcast and watching that, was just like, oh man. Yeah, I agree. Not- I mean, he was a nice guy, but it was. I, I think he was just brought in for like the comedy aspect because he was just like not a cop whatsoever. Like, first, first of all, like they they when they first are kind of hanging out in front of that convenience store, like the second or third time that they're hanging out, like they're like, she's like, can the Irish guys? She's like, can people from out of the country even become cops? And he's just like, oh, I'm just strong and brave and hand. So they just laugh that whole part of it off. Um, right. And then, and then, he, like on one of their dates, he's like on on the clock, and they're like, they're actually like speed dialing or like checking the speed of people going by. He's like pulling people over, and they're like on a date. Yeah, <laughs> so well, that, I think I they mean, try to make a good. joke of like the whole point that that you know he was he was a cop, like because it just didn't work as a cop. It didn't work as him being her boyfriend in the in the first place. And so I, I don't know. I think that I thought that they were kind of playing around with that, but you're right. There's no chemistry. It's it's a, it's about a two. I think it's a two hour. It's an, oh, it's over a two hour movie, and I think that pretty much that twenty minutes to half an hour dedicated to his and her relationship could basically be swept, like just kind of wiped out and replaced with something quicker or whatever. 
Um, or just but, put or just put the right the right character in there that that wasn't her like yeah or that wasn't, wasn't him right right like, like you could almost re- keep line but for I, keep I, line I, for I, line I, but and replace could you like switch out John Hamm and him in his roles like could you just switch the actors roles well, like John Hamm is way too handsome to be in that's that's the point like he's way too handsome to be just some ordinary cop what I was thinking is Jason Sudeikis. Okay, yeah, perfect. I think that that's a really good swap out for that for that particular character. So they, like he just his delivery, like so. This movie is well written and all, but it's all about the delivery. It's like you said, it's the chemistry between the cast, like the the, the improv lines and stuff like that. It's all it's it's all about how how they get along. And I feel like Chris O'Dowd was just kind of like an afterthought, like mm-hmm. it was just like a separate part of the movie that they filmed, whereas the rest of the cast was all kind of in it together and shooting scenes together. Yeah. So I don't know. It just kind of felt like a different part of the movie that I, I could, I could personally do without, but if you throw Sudeikis in there and like, I think, I like, think you nailed it, dog. I think that that's the, if just swap him out for Sudeikis and I kind of like Chris O'Dowd, like I think he's cool in, in other things, but just that particular role just didn't, I, for me was the only part of the movie that didn't, I, I just wasn't believing. Yeah. Um, not that, not that you have to believe everything in a comedy, but yeah, little nitpicks. This is just a little nitpick for, for, from us jerks here. Um, another scene I just really quickly want to go into before we start, you know, just analyzing and questioning each other about other things was the shit scene. I don't, I think that that was probably an appetite. That's important. It's important to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it it is for me at least one of the top two or three scenes. I think the funniest scene is the one up scene that we've already talked about. The second is after they come home from the Brazilian meet, or after they go dress, they go dress fitting after going to a Brazilian steakhouse, like a weird, funky Brazilian straight steakhouse. It's described as having like gray lamb or like just other shaved beefs that no, you know. Just a terrible idea to do that before you go. Back, in the back alley joint with like stray dogs running outside. And she's like, I've been in places like that that have been awesome. Yeah. But I've, I've also gotten food places from places like that. Too. But, but you're risking it. Like you're risking it anytime you do go into a place like that. I'm to live dangerously. <laughs> Certainly not going before you go into, you know, a high end place to try on to try on dresses and that's another thing like that that us as groomsmen like if we have to take a shit we'll just drop trial like okay like these girls are wearing these dresses and like it's an elaborate scheme like i don't know how any girl goes to the bathroom ever if you're wearing a dress like that um i've never never once put thought to that my entire life until this second that's insane like imagine okay Imagine wearing one of those elaborate dresses. A bride's like, all right, so how many hours are you taking pictures and have to be in that? Well, first of all, how many hours does it take to just put, or minutes or hours it takes to just get ready and put that on? You can't go to the bathroom an hour before and then the entire night after without some sort of contraption. I'm sure I'm sure there's technology. I'm sure nowadays, like, they've figured out ways, to, there's zippers and buttons or whatever for, for you to go to the bathroom with that, but... Man, they this this scene in particular exploits that whole thing, and these girls just ruin five perfectly good dresses, and, and it all culminates into Maya Rudolph shitting in the street, and it's just so freaking funny. 
ruined five dresses, but also the dress the dress store bathroom. So yeah. Melissa, McCar- like Clemmy, just runs in there and has to puke right away. But Melissa McCarthy, there's no other toilet, so she has to shit <laughs> into the sink, which is that. All right. So and then Ellie Kemper comes up, throws up on her hair, uh, Clemmy's hair. It's just a mess. It's just a mess of a It's scene. a shit show. It is a literal shit and puke all right, show. So, all right. So this is going to be bold. And, and I, I want to see what you say about this. Or see, get your opinion. Is this the number two or number one? Or is this the best shit scene of all time? Or is it number two? To, I mean, we know what I think what number one is. Harry Dunn, Dumb and Dumber. The, the number one, number two scene is Harry Dunn in Dumb and Dumber. But this has got to be a, a close second, maybe a close top three at least. Shit yeah, scenes. yeah. Okay. I mean, survival. Just I haven't prepared my my shit scene uh, research like I should have for this thing. Oh, but yeah, off the top of your off the head. top of my head, I can think of the Philip Seymour Hoffman the shark. He's like, dude, we gotta go. I just sharted. <laughs> um, yeah, but yes, I think I think it might even be better than than. How about the rat race prairie dog in it? No, nothing <laughs> rat race will ever crack my top ten. I just wanted to talk about rat race. Uh, the. Yeah, I think it's either one or two to, to Dumb and Dumber. Funny you mentioned Dumb and Dumber because I feel like that's why this, the main reason why this movie worked is because in Dumb and Dumber, those guys, I think pathetic, all right, this is a theory I wanted to run by you, even in pre-production, but I'm just going to do it here. I think pathetic is funny. I think no matter if it's a guy or a girl, so we can agree that like Kristen Wiig is kind of in a pathetic stage of her life, right? Her yeah. business failed. It's- her, her roommates are kicking her out. Her weird-ass roommates are kicking her out. She's messing everything up with the wedding. And it's just kind of, it's just pathetic. It's awkward sometimes. And I think that that's where some of these comedic genius moments or movies happen. So if you go to Dumb and Dumber, like Harry Dunn and Lloyd Christmas, Jim Carrey and, uh, you know, Jeff Daniels, those guys are pathetic, right? Like if you look at Saving Silverman, um, the two guys who are trying to get, you know, uh, Biggs back, they're pathetic. Like Jack Black and... Uh, yeah, okay. JD. JD. JD McNugent. Uh, yeah, right. Nugent, I don't know. Anyways. They're trying to get Darren back. Like, they're pathetic. Right. Like, even if you go to a... a whatchamacallit? A SNL uh, thing. Like, Matt Foley, right? His The Chris Farley skit, Matt Foley. He's living in a van down by the river. It's pathetic, but it's... Those are like three of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And I think that that's why this movie works is because they're kind of poking fun at how pathetic she is. And, and, she, and she delivers it really well. See, I kind of disagree with you because I honestly, this is kind of this, the part that I'm talking about we could do without. Because it's just like, it is sad. Like, if you watch this movie for like past its face value, which is, is, is laugh, is... It, you know, you're supposed to laugh through it, but it's actually like pretty sad and like, yeah, pitiful. I don't pitiful is the word. It's sad yes, and it's pit- kind of pitiful, pathetic. I think that that's why, like, I think that's why pathetic. it works. Everybody, hey, man, most people go through tough times and they go through lows. Right, not, right. That, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. These people can relate to this movie. Not pitiful or pathetic, though. It's it, it's sad. Fine, whatever. We disagree on the on the verbiage, but or the how to describe it but anyways it, it it i don't think it's that funny that that part of it i mean the john ham scenes are funny where she's like 
So this is something I want to bring up. So you know this whole uh, Instagram uh, thing where girls like post woke up this way and they take a, take a picture of them yes. clearly yes. makeup. Yeah. So she wakes up in the opening scene when she when she has sex with John Hamm. She wakes up, does her makeup, and crawls back in the bed, and then <coughs> yeah. Oh, I, oh my that, hair just looks you so don't terrible. find that pathetic. That's not pathetic. I just woke up this way. <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't know if it's but it is. It, it's a it's a part of life. People struggle, but it is, sometimes the struggle is funny. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. But so, I think personally that this movie it kind of has some sad points and is like a little bit like just awkward to watch at some points, you know. But that's what I think makes it funny. Like the whole part of the office, and maybe this is what what those characters bring in. Like Michael Scott just made everything awkward for everyone, and it was funny. Like yeah, and, and these like. The moments where she's just losing her shit at like the at the you know pre wedding party or whatever when she when she like beats up the cookie and like just loses it that it's just awkward for everyone and I think that that makes it funny like she's just she's putting everyone in a, in a weird situation and I don't know I think it just works I think from a comedic standpoint I think it just works. You know what? What was a kind of funny part of that sad, that whole sad part of her life was her mom. I thought was really funny. Who? Yeah. She goes to AA, but she thinks she calls herself an alcoholic. But but she's like, I, I would be if I ever had a drink. She never once had a drink, but yeah. she's an alcoholic. She's funny. And that she's almost like in Kurt because she's surrounded by these these AA guys all the time. She's always. Um, She's encouraging her to hit rock bottom. She's like, it's a good thing to hit rock bottom. She's like, there's, you know what I mean? Like, really kind of, she's like, you can just, you know, you can come live here with me. Like, just such a, like a single mom just kind of hanging yeah. out. Do you know, weird fact that that was that mom's, or the actress who played that mom, I don't have it here in front of me, but I was reading in, in the IMDb page that that was her last movie before she died. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't know the name of the actress. I should. She's, we're mentioning her, and I should be able to. I, her name's Jill Clayburgh. Jill Clayburgh. Last movie before she passed away. Just a quick note. But yeah. Her, I thought it was really funny. She was funny. Um, she's just like a stereotypical mom. She's like, come on, you got to get up. She, she's like, no. She's like, I don't want to get up. And she's like, oh, I'll make you a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> like, like, I don't know her. She's like, it's like a default mom thing. It's like when your kid's different, oh, I'll just make you a sandwich. Like, it's like, I'll just make you a tuna fish sandwich. Mm-hmm. Funny. Um, um, yeah, that's it. Before we get too far away from the shit scene, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Have you yeah. ever had food poisoning like that? And were you ever in a spot where you... I mean, I've been in many spots with you where you've had to shit and we've either had to pull over or you've sharted or whatever. I won't even get into that. You're up here. This is unfair. I'm not, I'm not, I won't get into it. I'm just saying, I know you've been in shitty situations, (laughs) but have you ever actually had food poisoning? I've had food poisoning. Yes. Um, But it was more, it was more throw up and like, it wasn't like the instantaneous, like I have to run to the bathroom. It was more like a stomach ache like a like a really sharp stomach ache and i was i was lucky to be in my house but that i did go to a hot sauce festival the day after mardi gras down in oh my god dude that's like uh, down in uh um can't, new orleans uh yeah so i went and i tried ghost pepper hot sauce for the first oh. time 
and I had to, it was, listen, I'm not going to go into too much further detail, but the, the bathroom scene in the dress, in the dress uh, shop wasn't too far off. I didn't, there wasn't a sink or anything, but uh. I this is a little bit too personal to be putting out on. Okay, all right. Well, hey, I was gonna let it go wherever it went. Google apps and and Apple Play and all these things now. Everyone's gonna know my hot sauce story. <laughs> <laughs> a night I, after Mardi Gras, going to a hot sauce hot sauce festival. I mean, what do you, do you expect? Like that's like throwing a tornado into a into the eye of a hurricane or something. All right, like but this was at the end of like two months of traveling the country. We end up at Mardi Gras, and it's a bunch of us partying. We didn't eat like all we. The only food we ate was like this gas station was just like fried chicken and the worst stuff. Oh God! And we were just drinking nonstop, nonstop for days. And then yeah, that was the last day. We were all leaving, and then we were all leaving that day. And yeah, we went to a hot sauce festival. Ended up spending the night on some guy's couch to couch surf that night. And uh, someone missed their plane the next morning. I don't Oops. know who that would be, but uh, I'm sure, anyways, I'm sure your sphincter is was very angry at you, and rightfully so. All right, let's get away from all the poop talk. Sorry, dog, Jeez, to go down. I, don't, I can't believe I went. All right, anyways, yeah, moving on from all that shit talk. What other what other highlights of the movie did you want to bring up? Well, I I think it was important to touch that, like it just kind of transcended any, like it it gets linked in with the with female comics and this whole, uh, the idea, like it, all right. So I brought up Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into that. And I, I, first off, it is awful, 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 awful. And I feel like it's, it's almost token feminism in a way in that they just like wanted to make a movie with an all female cast, but they, they're just like, all right, let's choose the cast first. And then we'll just write like a bunch of garbage and then put it in there as opposed to something that was like this, like a passion project written that was just a relatable story to anyone. Like I agree. I, I, I have no problem with, you know, I, I, <laughs> I love female artists. If you know me, you know that. And, but I just don't like token anything and I don't like, you know, so I think, I, the, like, I, th I think the reason too, why the ghostbusters thing flopped is because they had that in mind going into the movie not only that, they were they were going through a channel that was already done by a male. So that like the Ghostbusters was already something. It wasn't original. Whereas this brides thing was original. The Ghostbusters, yeah. it's just like, hey, we're gonna do it better than the guys because we're girls. And so well, it's, I, don't, I don't know if it was that we're gonna do it better than the guys. Or, or we're, the guys yeah, or we're, it was it was just something. It's just oh, this is the this is the new age version of Ghostbusters, which is. It, it, it doesn't matter. It it didn't matter that it was Ghostbusters. The the studio just knew that they wanted to do an all female cast, and then they had a Ghostbusters script. So I think and it then, does matter I, that it was Ghostbusters because, like with any movie, it doesn't matter if you're doing it with a different cast or whatever. The original is rarely gonna get beat. So like they just did a a remake of the. Street was pretty good. I mean, uh, I guess I never saw the original that, but I'm I'm saying like Point Break, right? They just yeah. they did point break over. Just it was destined to fail from the second the idea was to make remake the movie because the first one was such a hit. Ghostbusters one and two were such a hit with, with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd that doesn't matter who's gonna do it over, like it's not gonna be as good as the original. And this was, one yeah. and this one they slapped on like the whole, you know, girl power feminism thing. So I think that they were just setting up 
Kristen Wiig and uh, who are the other characters in that? It was just set up to fail right off the bat. Melissa McCarthy um, and then the two other SNL cast members, which again, going back to the SNL, uh, like it's, it's like, I liked Bridesmaids because it was a new cast of people interacting interestingly together. Whereas like, I don't want to see another SNL movie, which is what is essentially what, I mean, it's, it's what Molly Shannon did with, with superstar. It's what, um, you know, it's what the, uh, Will Ferrell and, and Chris Kattan initially did with their, it's like an extension of their characters. This was original. That's why I think Mean Girls worked so much too, because it was original. Tina Fey didn't do a character that she did on Weekend Update. It was, it was, you know, something that was completely new and, you know, it, the feminism or the the female part of it shined through because it was it was dealing with female issues like girls growing up in school much like bridesmaids is this was a right. movie that's never been done this is like the pressures and the drama that goes on with that and obviously made to be funny yeah no i i think it's a it's a valid point I, by the way the, those actresses were kate mckinnon and leslie jones that we weren't yeah. mentioning okay yeah but but again it's just like i i hate the idea it's two d bags up in the in the studios being like Johnson. We got we got this. To, you know we got to take care of this. We got to appease the fem, the the feminine wave. We yes. Gotta, yes. We got and then we got a this nostalgia wave. We got to ride that too. You know what we can do? We'll put two of those together. Oh yep, yeah, we've raised it. Yep, yeah, we got a movie. Like it's boom, just boom. it's just like, obvious that they're not fooling us as as the viewers. Like, yeah is junk like it's just it is kind of disappointing uh, and i really i've watched it recently i've watched it multiple times to try to give it multiple chances but it's just obnoxious like it, is. Just, du- it was done the, the wrong way right from the it, start it's disappointing anyways but that's that is the reverse side of it and why i think bridesmaids it, it stands out it's just, it just doesn't stand out by it goes in with every other movie of all time of comedy being a great mm-hmm. movie like it, it, it doesn't need to be linked in as one of the highest female movies of all time. And it's just period. It's just a great comedy Agreed. that doesn't need to be politicized or anything like that. Cause there wasn't, it didn't feel, uh, you know, push, you know, it did, it didn't feel, uh, forced, you know what I mean? It was such a natural combination of actors and the script Kristen Wiig wrote, you know what I mean? So it's always interesting. Like you mentioned Tina Fey before, or, you know, in 30 rock, like head writer and head actor, like it's her vision, you know what I mean? And seeing someone's vision come to fruition is like, is, you know, that's when it really is, is a thing of, of, of great value to everybody and not just a single person or demographic. It's agreed. Agreed. It it transcends. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so another question for you, and I'm, this is kind of a hot seat question. Would you would you date Kristen Wiig's character in this in this? At that this time period, uh, no, I'm I'm not currently dating. So. Well, that's what I'm asking you. As a single guy, like, would is her was her character at all attractive to you? Listen, Kristen Wiig is an attractive lady. I think she's pretty. Um, I think she's funny and like, all right. So when she's hanging out with the cop, like, yeah, I could, I could, I, that would probably seem like a fun night to, to have a drink with her or whatever and, and hang out. I could, I would, might have been fooled if I was that cop. <laughs> um, 
but thereafter you i learned quick and i uh i've learned the uh i've been jaded i you know i'm a, I'm a bit jaded so i feel like i don't know if i can all right I'll, I'll stop you right there you think she's attractive and you you go on a date with her you before before you step on your own feet here i'll 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 stop you right there like, you got me talking about my shits and my personal life with girl. <laughs> Jesus, you, we're coming off the hot seat interviews. I, I figured I'd put you on the hot right. seat. This is late at night after work. Like I'm on my heels here. All right, man. Whatever. All right, whatever. So you would, so just, just for you would, you would go on a date, but you just see where it went from there. I would go on a date, but if she, if I were to wake up the next morning, prepare this whole. Like thing for her to bake and to do all this thing, which he did overstep his bounds there. Like let her go and then maybe do that the next time. But um, but if she just if he did something nice for somebody and they're just like, no, f you. You then, don't, all right. You wouldn't pursue her after that. Uh, I don't have the energy for for that type of negativity. I would I would she, agree. I think as a single guy, I think I would. If I tried to do something nice like that and she just walked out the door, I think I'm like, all right, screw you. I'm out. All right. I got one for you here then, dog. I got a question for you. Okay. It's not necessarily a hot seat. So I think one of the best scenes in the movie is the, like you mentioned, the one-upsmanship uh, between Kristen Wiig and, um, you know, her rival bridesmaid. Yep. And Rose, what's her name? Rose. Rose Byrne. And, um. Anyways, Phil has been to more weddings than I think any human on earth who's not a wedding planner. Like, he not only um, officiates weddings, but he's known as some of the best dancers there. He's been groomsman. He's been best man. So he's got all this insight. And 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 I got to ask, have you ever seen any one-upsmanship on that level? Or I mean, all these archetypes are believable. And, you know, we've seen little things here and there of, of you know bridezillas, which wasn't the case with Maya Rudolph, but you know uh, you know bridesmaids or you know we, we Phil if it's happened at a wedding, Phil's probably seen yeah. A bit so, of- so yes, so I had to think about this, and I'm not going to use any specifics. One of and this is this might sound chauvinistic, but one of the most painful parts of a wedding is the brides is the maid of honor speech. The only thing that can make it more painful is if there's two maids of honor, if there's co-maids of honor and they have to pass the mic back and forth with, with each other. I think yeah. naturally, and this isn't a woman thing, this is a this is a human thing. I think naturally when you get up there and there's two of you, there is a little bit of one-upsmanship. You want to be a little funnier, you want to be a little cooler than the other person that's up there. Unless you're like brothers, like you and like Putt and Eddie play off each other well. You know okay, I mean? that's uh, that's that's good, but I think that there might be a little bit of one-upsmanship there too. I think if they did that, Eddie Putt and Eddie weren't the best. The weren't the best. Uh, yeah, the funny. Yeah. Who's gonna be the funniest? Who's gonna be the best? I think that that's just human nature, and when it when it transcribes into a into a, a made of made of honor speech or a co made of honor speech. Then almost always there you get that sense of one-upsmanship. Not going to use any names, but it almost happens every time. Oh, no fights, no. Oh, I haven't seen any fights. There and there wasn't there wasn't any fights between Kristen Wiig and Rose Byrne in there. Like it wasn't anything that got physical or anything. No, no fights or anything, but you know. But, but I've, seen... I've been sitting in my seat and just like this is painful. Wrap it up, ladies. 
the the dual bridesmaids. Oh man, that's I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, I've seen some awkward stuff at weddings. You know, some people who shouldn't be dancing who who are and stuff like that. But the dual bridesmaids. That's the thing with with my Rudolph like demoting Kristen Wiig's character. Like you can't like I would never put myself in a position or have put someone else in the position where they could be, have such high stakes. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's a wedding and I know it's important, but is it worth threatening a friendship or a relationship to even put such expectations on one day? And one hour and one walk down the aisle. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, no, but I think that that's what goes into almost every wedding. Like as far as like these pressures that these maids of honor have to go through, like having to plan all this stuff, and like at the like the scene between Maya Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig at the beginning, she's just like, "I know you're my best friend. I would I want you to have my be my maid of honor." But she's like, I know you're going through a lot of shit right now. Like, is this even good for you? Because it's a lot. She's like, I know it's a lot. And Kristen Wiig's like, no one, first of all, if someone asks you to be maid of honor, I don't think anyone's ever said no. It's just such an honor to to be asked that. But really, like, for the self-sabotage to say yes to that, like, it was almost inevitable what was going to happen after that because of the state that she was in. And the really, she was incapable of, of... doing that for her friend and like you said like it eventually but it it ruined the relationship i know they got all back together square at the end because it's a movie like that's just what happens but i mean it can happen where there's just so much pressure and that's that like the friendship is ruined for for life after that because they can't come through uh yeah i just feel lucky that i got through my best buds wedding with uh only having to show up for pictures and him and I have been texting all week, so I, I think I made it through pretty clear. Um, but that that pressure is real. And although I, I can't say I necessarily saw it in the wedding I was just recently at, um, you know, it, it, it's a feeling that is almost present at all, almost every wedding right. that, that you're at. Yeah, the, and, the bridesmaids always have, like, their tasks that they have to do during the day, whereas I think as groomsmen – you know, as long as we're, we've got the right shirt and tie on, then we're good to go. You know? We're also kind of utility players. It's like, you need something, <clears throat> you just need something done to be like, all right, get Tim to go run and get that. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, it's not, I, plan, it's not planned well in advance. It's just kind of, you're making it up as you go on the, on the day. Yep. And if you're, if you're ever a groomsman and you're, uh, you're around bridesmaid, just let, let them do your thing. My best advice, just, just sit back and ask what you can do to help. Yeah, true. Right. I think I think that's great. I think that's great advice. Having been a groomsman a few times myself, I think that that's that's a good advice. Mm-hmm. All right, just a couple. I know we're we're kind of getting towards the end here, but I just wanted to kind of make a couple of notes here, um, or, or ask you a couple things, or make make a few observations. Couldn't help but notice her car was extremely. It was a Toyota in the car, but it was extremely close to the Vo from from Workaholics. <laughs> yeah it was good call always breaking I, down it was like that maroon color probably from like the early 80s that she got as a hand-me-down yeah the rust colored maroon <laughs> yeah. and a bit kind of a big part of the movie in the fact that like it's it's the basis of her and um the cop 
the relationship, you know? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it is interesting. It, it moves the plot along many times. It does. Uh, whether it's her breaking down and having to call John Hamm while the cop is there. She got hit. Like, she got hit, yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, it's the and, reason she gets pulled over in the first place by him, because her taillights are out and she's swerving. It even facilitates her hate for um, Rose Byrne's character when she shows up to the bachelorette party. She's given a pink lemonade. She has no uh, cup holder cup for holder. it. <laughs> right. What car? Like, what car ever? Like I felt like Model Ts back in the 1920s still had cup holders. Whose car doesn't have? You know you're driving a real shit box if you don't have a one cup holder in your entire car. Like she had the option for it. Like she's like, nah, just keep those out. <laughs> <laughs> Save me 15 bucks. <laughs> but no, but that is actually a really good. Like it was a good facilitator of the plot because. And it re- yeah, it's like that's representation of her life essentially right. is just like broken down and not taking care of the simple me- like maintenance that humans should do for themselves and they should do for cars. So Whoa, it right. is actually that's a good that's a good observation. There. I didn't mean to. Get, all in my notes it says it says Toyota equals the Vo, and we got a lot deeper than I thought we would on that on that topic. <laughs> so I'm glad I brought well, it up. The other, the other one I wanted, to, the other quick note I wanted to bring up, and I'll let you get to yours, was, was what do you think the Wilson Phillips connection was, to get her to sing "Hold On" at the end? What do I think, like outside of the the, the film? Yeah, like wh- how do you think that they approached her to perform or to be a part of the movie in any way? Because the, the the song we did the music association, you play this Wilson Phillips song, the "Hold On." Oh, yeah. And now I think of this movie now. Yeah. So oh, yeah. How Absolutely. do you think that all came together? I mean, I know I'm just asking for speculation. Now, um, I imagine I imagine Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph, who, although we've talked, like, they're the, essentially the two main characters in the movie, right? Yeah. Or yeah. is Rose Byrne? Yeah, Rose Burn. Burn. They're, they're, uh, they're the top three build. Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph and, and, and uh, Kristen Wiig just have that very comfortable like they've just been done a hundred shows together that type of energy and i can just picture them before stage at snl listening to that song getting pumped up and it was probably something between them and then they're like oh wait we're doing this this million dollar budget movie wilson phillips is probably doing nothing yeah like i bet you could get them to come on and like like that's my fill in the blank so do you think that this was a favor to Wilson Phillips, or was Wilson Phillips doing them a favor? This was a favor to Wilson Phillips. <laughs> okay. Right. I didn't know who Wilson Phillips was before this, and I'm kept, I like music, and I, and I like 90s music. I like, like, is that even 90s? Is that 80s? I, don't know. I think it's 80s. I'm pretty sure it's 80s. Uh, you'd know better than I would in, in this case. I kind of like but. the song. No, but I, I bet you it was just something like when you see the the two of them dancing together, uh, Maya Rudolph and in the uh, Chris Wig on stage at the end there, like it's almost like Tim Heidecker, who's the husband, doesn't exist. Like they just got married, and it's about the bridesmaids still. I think that was done on purpose. He's such an afterthought in the entire movie. I think it was like we were saying before. I, I'm pretty sure that was done on purpose, and I'm pretty sure he probably had something to do with that. Yeah, he he probably loved that. He loved just being a face in it. Honestly, sure. he loves that. He that that's his type of humor. He's just <laughs> being able to smile instead of not saying anything. Anything? Did you have anything else? Any other notes that you had written down? 
No, I just I thought it was just such a unique movie in for uh, an SN. I, I think the biggest thing is that the casting and, and the ability for an SNL member really to break out of that um, pre-existing SNL uh, career path in that so many uh, of those the people who were on SNL then go on to work with the same actors all the time and kind of repeat themselves over and over and over. And this was such an original work um, that utilized, the, in my opinion, the best people for the job, and, you know, and with maybe the exception of Chris O. Yeah, but Dor- yeah, right. But but besides that, I mean, it was just, you know, it, I just watched it and it's how old now? Uh, nine years old, 2011. It's nine years old. Not all comedies hold up. Holds up, man. It's still really fun. It does. I think it always will, too. I think it's a classic. All right, final question. If we were redrafting SNL, Chris Parnell or Kristen Wiig, who are you going with? Who's higher on your draft board? <laughs> I have some pride, so maybe and now I got to stay with Chris Parnell. No, I'm just kidding. You got to take Kristen Wiig. Yeah. She's one of the, I think she's a, a minimum top 10 female character or female uh uh, cast members of all time on us. That being, that being said, I was watching a 30 Rock episode, like one of their live episodes where Chris Parnell was improving. Dude, the guy's hilarious. All right, all him. right, all right. Well, this isn't about Chris Parnell. I thought I had to just bring that in there. Hopefully Dylan's listening and is having a laugh at this right now. He's not. He's not, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, man. Well, this was fun. Uh, I recommend anyone who hasn't seen this movie in a while to just go back and watch it. Uh, just had a really good time today watching it and obviously even better time, you know, hashing it out with you, homie. Yeah, man, this this movie is classic. And, you know, if we've learned one thing from it, you just, you don't eat Brazilian shaved meat before you try on any type of nice clothing. Amen to that. I think we can end it there. That's, if we learn anything from today, then that's, that's the moral of this whole podcast. (laughs) All right, man. And also don't, uh, don't try ghost pepper hot sauce if your if your stomach is had nothing but beer and fried chicken. Yeah, get a get at us in our Instagram if you want to hear the rest of that story. All right, all right, homie, it's been fun. Uh, Take it easy, man. Peace, man. Break, break, break from the chain. Someday somebody's gonna make you wanna turn around and say goodbye. Go your way if you hold